All right. Uh, tonight, go ahead and open with me to Judges chapter 14. With me to Judges chapter 14. So we're looking at the life of Samson um, in a study by Dr. Robert Godfrey. And again, I'm kind of taking the, the information that he gives in a, a series of uh, lessons that he's taught and, and a workbook that goes along with it and um, kind of summarizing and reorganizing and kind of putting them in a way that um, that we will be able to um, understand and will be beneficial and edifying for us um, here at Flat Creek. So, so far in, in our study, we've looked at, um, looked at the place of judges in the in the overall kind of grand narrative of the Bible, you know, this the viewing kind of looking at Genesis to Revelation is one big book and one overarching story. And we've seen how Joshua's death um, and the people's lack of, of leadership after him uh, leads to their sin and also to God's appointment of judges to deliver his people. And we also, we have seen how uh, this period of judges leads us into the appointing of Saul um, as king over Israel after the time, after this time period of the judges. And so we looked at that and then we kind of narrowed down and our focus and looked at the story of Samson within the book of Judges. And we saw that Samson's story is um, kind of the culmination of all that was happening during that time period with the, the people of Israel. And um, we see that his story is the, the longest of any of the judges. So we're, we're told more about him than we are any of the other judges in the book. Um, we also saw when we look at this story of Samson that from, from chapters 13 to 16, we kind of break it down into four parts. And uh, the first is that we see his parents in chapter 13 and have this very interesting encounter with the, the angel of the Lord. And this angel gives his parents both a promise um, that they will have a son and that he will be a judge in Israel. But the, the angel also gave them a command um, that Samson's mother not eat anything unclean or drink any alcohol or strong drink because Samson is to be a Nazarite from the womb. And we talked about how in the grand scheme of things, this, this first part of the story ends on a really high note. A very encouraging thing that we see here for the nation of Israel. We've got Samson's parents who seem to fear the Lord in the way that they react to this angel of the Lord. And they, it seems that they want to seek to follow and to obey him. Um, we see in verses 24 and in 25 of chapter 13, it says, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahana Don between Zorah and Eshtiel. Um, and so, like we said, this is encouraging that the Lord is raising up this man to deliver his people from bondage and to slavery under the Philistines. And then we come to part two of the story in chapter 14. 
And in the first two verses of that chapter, we read, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And like we said, we read this and we're thinking, what just happened here? How, how did this come about? How do we go from this young man that the Lord has raised up and blessed and, and the Spirit stirs in him, and this same young man wanting to marry a wife of the Philistines, the, the very people that are, are oppressing the people of Israel, he, he is seeking a wife from them. And it's just this, it's this, out, this obvious, it's an outright disregard and disobedience to the direct command of God. God had commanded them not to intermarry with those nations around them because it would lead to idolatry. And so we go from this this high of seeing God raising up this man at the end of chapter 13 to the the disappointment and the sadness at the beginning of chapter 14. This is not the way this is supposed to go. But at the same time, we, we saw in chapter 14 and verse 4 that it said, This was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. And so tonight we want to look further at this second part of the story, and we're going to look at the selfishness of Samson. His selfishness. And we see this brought out at, at the end of a couple of verses. Uh, verse 3 and verse 7. And in both of those places, we read that it was what was right in Samson's eyes. It's what, what he saw as good for him, what he wanted to do. There was not a regard there for, for what was objectively right, what was objectively good, that which was right and good according to God's law. Instead, it's just what he wanted. It's what Samson wanted to do. It's what he sought to attain in this this Philistine woman. And so we see Samson here kind of living for himself, indulging in that which he wants. And we're reminded of what John writes in uh, in his first epistle in the New Testament. We wrote, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And we're going to see over and over here in the story of Samson, the desire of the eyes was a big problem for him in his life. And so he saw it. Um, he wanted to marry this woman, and so he, he sought her out. And now look with me in Judges chapter 14 at verses 5 and 5 through 7. <clears throat> it says, Then Samson went down with his father, and mother to Timnah. And they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. 
Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. So we talked about before, all throughout chapter 13, um, and in the first few verses of chapter 14, we're, we're not really introduced to the idea of Samson's strength. That's not the first thing we're told about him. The first thing we're told about Samson is that he is to be holy. He is to be set apart. He is to be a Nazarite from the womb, set apart to serve the Lord. Here is where we start to be introduced to this idea of the strength of Samson. I mean, think about it. We're, we're talking about a lion with his bare hands. That's a bad man. I mean, there was no, no tool, no weapon, no nothing. Just his bare hands. But notice in verse 6, this is not natural strength, but rather supernatural strength. And it was this strength... Uh, from the Spirit of the Lord. And, and Dr. Godfrey makes this point that this should have gotten Samson's attention. Right? Killing a lion with your bare hands, is not, that's not a normal thing. That doesn't happen every day. Right? It's very unique. And to have this ability to do this, it should have caused him to stop and to pause and, and kind of evaluate the purpose of his, his life. Um, just an extraordinary feat of strength that we see here. But we see that it doesn't. And, Simon, and, Sam, and, blah, blah, blah. and Samson continues on doing what Samson wants to do. And he went down and talked to the Philistine woman. Um, and it is amazing how we can see a lot of ourselves in this story. You know, I mean, how many of us have had the Lord do something um, Amazing, even even something amazing through us, like here in uh, this story with Samson, and we don't see it either, right? We don't, we don't get it, and we continue sinfully doing what we want to do. It, it causes us to pause and, and to reflect and to evaluate our own lives. And so he he kills this lion. Um, but he doesn't tell anybody. And then look with me at verses 8 and 9. It says, After some days he returned to take her. And he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. And so I'm I, I kind of like um, Dr. Godfrey here. Kind of what I imagine in my mind is like the rib cage or something of the carcass laying on the ground and, and this hive and the, the swarm of bees being inside of it. And and he goes and he, he gets the honey and he eats it. But now remember that the the, the Nazarite vow Samson is to, to be a Nazarite. Um, we saw back in Numbers, it included a prohibition against touching dead bodies. 
And so uh, some of the commentators will say here that he has, has violated that law and that vow by what he has done in reaching in this carcass. Um, so he's found this honey. He's eating it. He's giving it to his parents. Now, verse 10, his father went down to the woman and Samson prepared a feast there. For so the young men used to do. As soon as the people saw him, they brought 30 uh, companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, Put your riddle that we may hear it. And he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle. So this is the, the wedding party. This is the, the wedding feast. And verse 10 says that they were following the, the custom of the day. And so um, a number of guys come in and they join Samson and it says that he told them a riddle. And um, evidently culturally this is something that would be done. Like, the, um, like I said, the wedding party takes place over seven days. Like that's a long time. Right, and so there was a lot of cooking, there was a lot of eating, but you can't eat that much. And so there's there's no TV, there's no game on, there's nothing like that. So you got to entertain these people. And so that's what they would do. They would they would play games, they would dance, they would uh, do all sorts of things. And, and riddles, these riddles back and forth, were one thing they would would do um, as they were gathered for this wedding feast. And so Samson gives them this one. Um, uh, out of the eater came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. And it says, for three days no one could solve it. And also notice that this was not just, they're not here just merely having fun, telling and solving these riddles here. I mean, they'd actually put, they'd put money on the line here. There was, there were some stakes. They, they were gambling uh, at this point, talking about 30 changes of clothes to the one who could solve the riddle. So they've got skin in the game. And so we get to verse 15, and look with me there. It says, On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish, impoverish us? All right, so 30 sets of clothes apparently was quite a sum of money. I mean, it was an expensive thing. Um, we also see here that these are not the nicest people in the world, right? If she doesn't give them the answer to this thing, um, they're going to burn her father's house with, with her and her father inside of it and burn it to the ground, right? It's, we start to see this violence and this brutality that's going to kind of fill the next few chapters, and so verse 16, she goes and talks to Samson. 
It says, And Samson's wife wept over him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have put a riddle to my people, and you have not told me what it is. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told my father nor my mother, and shall I tell you? And she wept before him the seven days that their feast lasted. And on the seventh day he told her, because she pressed him hard. Then she told the riddle to her people. Now we want to remember this, right? Because this, we're going to see this pattern repeat again with Delilah in part four of the story. The same kind of thing happens. She wept for seven days and cried out to him for seven days. Kept on going, warmed down. And uh, so he finally tells her the answer to this riddle. And in verse 18 it says, And the men of the city said to him, on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And Samson becomes angry at them and he says, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not found out my riddle. Verse 19, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In hot anger, he went back to his father's house. Well, that's one way to pay for your bet. I mean, why, why go and buy the clothes when you just go kill 30 dudes and take theirs and give it to the people that you owed? Uh, again, this idea of violence and destruction that we see increasing throughout the story. Um, again, we see him violate the, the Nazarite vow and, and touching these dead men to, to get their clothes. And it says that in anger, he went back to his father's house, just left his wife there. We're going to see that he, he comes back, but it's, it's just a very sad direction this story is taken from where it started. You know, with the, the visiting of the, um, the angel of the Lord and Samson's mother, you know, being barren and, and she's given the gift of the son and um, the, the Lord is, is with him, and he's growing. And, and now we've seen, you know, intermarriage with, with the pagan people. We've seen death and destruction. Uh, just a very, very sad thing at the way this is going. But we're going to see in the future how the Lord is going to use this for his purposes. And so like we said, this is, this is not the Nazarite from the womb that we were expecting. Um, to be holy and set apart to God from the womb. To, to judge and deliver Israel from the Philistines. Right? Instead of delivering them, he's marrying one of them. And gambling with Philistine men. And so... Um, Next time we'll come back and we'll continue on in the story looking at this second part and seeing how the Lord uses this um, for his purposes. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we uh, thank you for tonight. We thank you for this story in the book of Judges. We thank you for um, these events unfolded. Father, you, you are teaching us. Lord, you are accomplishing your purposes in salvation history and 
Father, I, I just pray that you would help us tonight to go and to meditate on this story and, and what's happening here. And, um, Lord, you are, are good. You are holy. Um, and so, Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you.